Happy Monday. It is Monday, July 18th, 2022, 3.31 p.m. Central, 4.31 Eastern, 2.31 Pacific. Welcome in, U.S. time. How you doing? How was your weekend? Mine was great. It was so good. I had my parents-in-law here. Uh, my little brother-in-law is going to be with, with us, with my wife and I, for the next uh, month and a half. So that's going to be super fun. Come in. Do make sure that uh, you can hear me. Make sure that you can see me. Make sure that, um, I don't know, that this thing works. <laughs> so come in. Uh, super uh, exciting topics today to talk about. We'll do our usual um, thing where I'll put forward a topic for us to talk about and uh, we'll involve the community. So in the comments section, definitely as you're thinking about what's being said and as you think about the different topics, uh, definitely come in and uh, drop your comments. And then uh, as we progress through the stream, what we'll do is we'll also bring in any uh, folks that want to jump on and talk live. Uh, and the only thing I would require is for you to have a video camera, decent audio, headphones, ideally, so there's no echo and good Internet. So but we'll do that as we get closer to the uh, towards the uh, end of the topic discussion and then bring on the community. So uh, it looks like you, you all can hear me as well. We got people from Alberta. Uh, thank you, Chris, very much. Love you, bro. Thank you very much for that love. Um, and yeah, so let's go ahead and, and get started right away. So there's a few things I want to talk about. And these I've been thinking about for uh, a little while, a little while now. And but there's there's been more and more data sets that have come forth that I think are going to be really important for us to sit down and talk through as it regard uh, in regards to the ice demand. So it, for those that are not familiar with what ice is, is uh, in internal combustion engine, which is basically a gas car. Okay, so let me go ahead and share my screen. Uh, first time I'll be doing it with uh, StreamYard. So let's see if I can do this correctly. Uh, share screen. Uh, very good. Thank you very much. And then we're going to go to screen number two. Ta-da! Where am I? Oh, hello. Look at me. Can I move myself to the right? No, I can't. All right, screw it. I'm on the left now. Cool. So there is a uh, news article that came out on July 1st of 2022, so roughly uh, two to three weeks ago. And it's from Automotive News, and this covers the US um, auto sales for the second quarter of 2022, and uh, really the first half of the year as well, and it compares it to uh, different time periods. So uh, the headline, and I'll zoom in a little bit so y'all can perhaps see this a little bit better. June marked 12th consecutive month of year over year declines for an auto industry scrambling to secure microchips to rebuild inventories amid strong pent up demand and a backlog of orders. Okay, so the the, the last sentence there, um, I think I'm going to challenge in this video, and I would love to hear everyone's opinion as I go through it. And so, don't allow me to just talk about the biased. Tesla stuff, you know, because I, I obviously a lot of us are super te pro Tesla, but I really want to see if we can poke holes in this thing. Okay, so this is really the idea behind this video uh, is to see if we can poke holes in the thesis that the demand cliff is here for ice. Okay, so as you think of ways to do that, please list them in the comments and we'll have an open discussion on how to do that. Okay, so why, why is there a uh, 12th consecutive month of year over year decline. Well, that's because quarter two and the first half of this year has been kind of brutal for our automotive friends. So let me show you the data set that shows this. Why am I on the left side? 
Let me see if I can move myself to the right side. One second, guys. Let's see. I'm still a noob at this. Uh, eh, it's okay. I'll stay there. Hello. <laughs> All right. So BMW of North America, Ford, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, so on and so forth. I'm sure you've heard of these automakers before. If you haven't, please go outside. <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, actually, yeah, do go outside. It's good for you. So Q2 2022 versus Q2 2021, if we look at the percentage change quarter over quarter, so this takes the second quarter of this year versus the second quarter of the previous year, uh, BMW of America has had a 20% decline year over year, quarter two, and then for the first six months of this year versus the previous six months, so if you take January through June this year versus January through June of the year previous, so 2021, they're down 10%, okay? So you might say, well, you know, BMW, Maybe they're, they're not coming out as with many, as many good models. You know, they're kind of stale. They're not doing that great in the States. Maybe they're doing better somewhere else and they're just isolated. Okay, cool. Let's go through the list. Ford, down, up, so, excuse me, up almost 2% quarter over quarter. Good job, Ford. But down 8% year over year. Okay. General Motors, down 15% quarter over quarter, Q2. Down 18% year over year. Honda, down 50%, down 50% quarter over quarter, so Q2 versus Q2 previous year, down 40% first half of the year, so on and so forth. Hyundai Kia, down 20, down 12. Jaguar, down 51% for the quarter, down 43% year over year, okay? And we keep going down this list. Karma Automotive with their 40 sales previous year quarter, and their 30 sales now, down 25%. Let's not make fun. Come on now, guys. Mazda is down 42% quarter over quarter, 25% year over year. McLaren's up quarter over quarter. They sold 370 cars instead of 300. Good job, McLaren. Mercedes-Benz is up 7% quarter over quarter, but they're down 4% year over year for the first half, okay? So pretty obvious, right? So as I go down the list, you can see that all these automakers are having uh, a lot of issues Let's just assume they're having a lot of issues supplying the demand that's out there, okay? For the list so far. Nissan, 38%. Mitsubishi, uh, Nissan, Mitsubishi, Polestar, down 36%. Um, now, Polestar, uh, looks like they've uh, broken out uh, from Volvo. I believe Polestar is a Volvo brand. Do correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. Um, they're up 80, 858% and up 800% year over year but it's on, on low volume, but still, it's great. They're selling some cars. Good job, right? The Rivian, they're up uh, infinitely because <laughs> last year they didn't sell anything, but great. I, I really hope they, they continue doing well. I really like Rivian. Celantis down 15%. Subaru is down 18%. I'm gonna skip this one for now. Toyota down 22%, 28%, 23%, 16%, 20%. Okay? So we have an issue. We have an issue. And a lot of folks will say, okay, it's demand or, or it's supply chain, it's chips, so on and so forth. Okay. So here's what I would challenge that. Okay. So let's go ahead and highlight this line right here. Tesla Motors. In the US, they've sold 118,000 cars in Q1 uh, versus 77,000 the previous quarter, up 53%. For the first half of the year, they've sold 229,000 cars versus 155 previous year, up 47% for the first half, okay? If you compare the volume of this automaker versus the other ones, you can see that they're not, they're not small. They've sold more than Volkswagen in the States. They sold more than Volvo 
They sold, they sold more than, uh, almost as much as Subaru. Excuse me, they didn't sell more than Volvo. Excuse me. Uh, more than Volkswagen. Volkswagen did sell, did sell more. But they're not that far away. Okay? Uh, more than Mitsubishi, more than Mercedes, more than Mazda, more than Jaguar. Right? More than BMW. So they're selling more than uh, a few car brands in the States. Okay? So if you take that piece of information... And then you, you say that, okay, let me bring my face back. Hello. Uh, take that piece of information and say, okay, so this is a supply chain issue. So if we go back to the headline. For an auto industry scrambling to secure microchips to rebuild inventories. Why doesn't this apply to Tesla? How come, how come an, an entire auto, auto industry that's having such an issue, why isn't that applying to Tesla? And are we sure it's purely a supply thing? And then you could say, well, you know what? Tesla doesn't order as many chips because they're smaller, you know? So of course they're going to have issue. They're not going to have as many issues getting the chips they need because they don't need that many. If you compare it to Toyota, so on and so forth. Okay, cool. But these automakers buy chips and supply that's proportionate to the supply that's out there, right? So say you have a... a a million chips out there, okay? Tesla's gonna be allotted, say, 2% of those chips. They're not just going to have a picking at the rest of the million because everyone else is drawing from that million. So they're, each company, think of it as a budget. Each, each company has a budget of parts they can buy from, right? So how come Tesla is the only one that's able to grow or one of the very, very few ones that's able to grow year over year? You know, especially if it's a larger than a BMW or larger than a Jaguar larger than a Land Rover, so on and so forth, right? So that's weird to me. That's really weird to me. Now, the other data point that I like to bring up, which our boy, our boy, legendary, legendary um, member of the Tesla community, uh, Rob Maurer. If you don't follow Rob Maurer, which I'd be shocked if you don't, if, if you're here, I'm sure you've uh, seen Tesla Daily. Um, big shout out Rob Maurer, one of the OG, from what I remember, YouTube, Twitter, Tesla folks. He does incredible work. Thank you, Rob, for everything you do, my friend. Interesting new data from the used car market is showing just how insatiable demand for Tesla vehicles is right now. Okay. So very interesting piece of research done here, uh, which is on Shareloft, which by the way, if you don't know, Shareloft is something that Rob has started and it's a great, um, great platform for people to do uh, research on different technologies. So if you're interested, definitely go into it. He's not, I'm just plugging him because I really like him. He's not asking me to plug this. I'm just letting you know because I do find what Rob does very important and super valuable. So I'm even gonna accept his cookies because I like him so much. <laughs> so I posted this today. Whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Apologies. Robust demand for Tesla's vehicles has been as, as clear as ever in recent months, despite Tesla share uh, rising prices across the lineup by 6,000 to 26,000 year over year. Estimated delivery wait times have extended to as long as 12 months for some orders, okay? So there's uh, a assumption here that Tesla is doing really, really well. So why would you say this? Cool. Let's look at this uh, cool chart that uh, our friend has put together, uh, our friend Rob. So on the x-axis, you have a list of automakers uh, in the auto market, and then we have Tesla, which is this bluish bar, uh, 
And this is used car price changes in the last 90 days. So call it since the start of Q2. So April. All right. Tesla used car price uh, prices have risen by an average of $5,500. Whereas everyone else, if you really look at the chart here, if you take this sort of first half and then the second half is basically flat. Some of the ones that are up in price, I'll read them for you. Genesis, which is a Hyundai luxury brand, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have Pontiac, which uh, <laughs> doesn't sell cars anymore. Yeah, uh, it's probably the uh, Solstice, if I were to guess. If I believe because it's a cool little uh, car. Okay. Uh, you have Porsche, Volkswagen, Kia, Toyota, Ford, so on and so forth. But these are more modest, more modest price changes, right? They're up, um, call it roughly a thousand bucks. And if you do it as a, as a percentage, as a percentage of uh, the price of the car, Tesla's prices have risen about 9%. Genesis, about, what is that, 2%, 3%. Uh, Pontiac, 8%. Again, a big, uh, a lot of people out there wanting to buy uh, use Pontiacs. Good for you. But then you look at the rest of the automakers, they're sort of down, they're, they're up a little bit, you know, 2%, 1%, and then down uh, 1%, 2%, 3%, as much as almost 5% if you're a Mercury which is again, another uh, used car that's not being sold anymore new. So uh, yet another data point that leads to us saying that, hey, demand for, um, call it EVs, if you were to use the used car market as a proxy, seems like a gigantic uh, signal that says that people are really, really craving EVs in general. Forget Teslas, EVs in general, right? So based on these data sets, on these two, I would like to repropose again that we're not really in a situation where ICE cars or gas cars are having issues selling cars because of supply issues. I really do think we're at the point now where we have enough signal that says that we are in a demand cliff for gas cars. So here's another uh, thing that I'd like to say and use as a data set that, that also backs this up. This is non-scientific. This is just anecdotal, but I like to throw it out there. And I'm going to put up a poll that's going to test this as well for the folks that are listening right now. So I have a friend that shall remain uh, anonymous, who is a big fan of gas cars. He's purchased BMWs uh, in the past, loves the noise of an of a engine, loves the dynamics of a gas car. It's cool. It's great. He, he loves gas cars. Okay. He has very recently started talking about going in and buying an EV next year. And the reason why is one, gas car, uh, gas is getting expensive. But two, he's starting to realize that as the trend continues of electric vehicles, he's gonna be stuck with an asset, in this case, a car, a gas car, that's gonna depreciate so much in price that it's going to be basically worthless. You know, we know that we know that gas, we know that cars in general are depreciating assets. We know that when you buy one, you know, 20 minutes when you drive it off the lot, it goes down like what 20% or something crazy. Teslas do way, way better. And just EVs in general do way better against gas cars in this regard, especially now. But his thought process is, you know what, I'm willing to give that up. I'm willing to give up the noise of an engine and the speed of a, of a, or the, you know, the, how it feels to drive a gas car. 
so that I don't get stuck with a with a car that's essentially worthless in X number of years, right? So that's another data set that tells me, okay, so a friend that I've known for a while who loves his freaking gas cars, if he's thinking about buying an EV or a Tesla, specifically a Tesla, he's been telling me he wants to get into a Model 3 or a Model Y, then that tells me, okay, so something drastic is happening here. Something drastic is happening here. Um, and these data sets that we have from our friend Rob from Tesla Daily and Shareloft and the uh, automotive news article, it's yet another reassurance, in my opinion, that we're going down the path of a assured demand cliff for gas cars. So let me know what you think. Let me know what you think in the comments of that um, of that statement. And then I'd also like to propose a, a poll just uh, for us to kind of sit down and see if we can use some anecdotal evidence to see if maybe we can put two and two together and see if there's additional detail or additional um, data points that we can use to figure out if this is actually happening. Because really what, what I'm looking to do here, and I don't know if this is gonna be uh, the best way to do it, but I really wanna test this and see if it's correct. Okay, so let's go ahead and create a poll. So the question is, and I wrote this down because I'm actually prepared for this. What? What percentage of your friends and family, so this is everybody in the comment section and watching this right now, what percentage of your friends and family is considering buying an EV? Very simple, right? So let's go ahead and do this. Less than 20%, 20% to 50%. 50% to 80%, more than 80%. So we'll do 80% plus, or we'll do more than 80%, just in case folks are not familiar with the greater than and uh, uh, less than signs. Okay. What percentage of your friends and family is considering buying an EV? So think about everybody that's within your friend circle, your family circle. Okay. And then answer that question to your best of your abilities. I'm not I'm not expecting you to sit down and freaking list every single name of your friend and family <laughs> that's out there and try to figure out what percentage. Just give me a gut, like a gut feel, okay? What percentage of your friends and family is considering buying an EV less than 20%, 20% to 50%, 50% to 80%, more than 20, more than 80%, excuse me. Okay, the poll is out, all right? And as uh, y'all go in and start answering that poll, i like to go ahead and propose a few things that and pointers that are gonna, I think, help us deduce if this is actually happening or not, and to see if I can prove myself wrong in some way, right? Because ultimately what I'm trying to do here is create a platform where we can sit down and discuss these things openly and not just be like, yep, Tesla's the best, EV is assured, it's gonna happen. I just want to make sure that the data points we're getting are legit. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I have, this is one of the ways that I, I'd like to test it is with the community, with the help of, of everybody here, right? So one of the pointers, again, I'm prepared for this. So I got banners. I'm so professional. Look at this. Crazy. All right. For those that are watching this on a recorded, it's not live. I don't know. It spruces it up. So I hope you enjoy this. Do we need additional data that confirms the ice cliff? So everything that I've shown this video so far, is that enough? What do you think? Right, this is a question, that's a broader question. So do we need additional data that confirms the ice cliff, okay? What is the signal that's needed to reverse this? So if we, if we are in, a, in an ice cliff, what data points do we need to think about that would lead us towards the opposite? Is it more sales? Is it a shift to, towards uh, 
something else? Is it lower price crisis, uh, gas prices? I don't know, but I would like to propose that. So what is the signal that's needed to reverse this if an ice cliff is here? In the event of a recession, which we've been talking about quite a bit in broader markets, what's going to happen to ice in those cases? How are governments going to step in? What are they going to back? What are the, the technologies they're likely to back? Who's getting bailed out if there's going to be any bailouts on, under what conditions? Is it going to be demand for cars, period? How will these existing infrastructure that's out there for gas or EV cars lead or try to or influence how we exit the recession within those technologies? So some of the questions I can come up with for that question, for that pointer. How will the continued Russia-Ukraine conflict impact this? So we've, you know, we've been observing a war here in the US for a while. As that thing progresses, does this impact anything in this arena? What do you guys think? If there was an ice cliff, is the broader public is the broader public aware of such a cliff even existing? And if the answer is yes, what does that mean for the acceleration of demand of EVs? If it doesn't exist, what does that mean for the demand of ice cars? And what do we think that is? And how can we test to see if that is even a thing that out there people are realizing this trend could be happening? Or is it even testable? Is it even worth testing? And then lastly, do we even think the markets are considering this cliff, period? Is this something that I'm just making up because I'm an idiot? Or is this a thing that, that ARK Invest has put forward between, before in their... In their uh, in their um, research saying that this is a potential thing that's gonna happen. It's been talked about quite a bit in the Tesla community. Are we all just crazy? Are we all just crazy? Or is it actually happening? And do we think that the broader markets are even realizing this is happening? Okay? And lastly, because I have to do this, if you like what you're watching so far, hit the like button. It helps the channel a lot. Thank you. I'm a YouTuber now, I have to do this. <laughs> okay, let's read some comments, yeah? And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring some people in. But first, thank you, Jeremiah, so much for the $10 super chat. Really appreciate you, man. Uh, we've reached an event horizon where a critical tipping point has been reached and there's no turning back now. Goodbye, ice, hello, future, much love to all. Love you too, man. Um, yeah, how, what do you guys think about that statement? What do you guys think about that statement? Is that a, a legitimate statement? Do you guys agree with Jeremiah? Do you disagree with Jeremiah? Um, the data set, the data points that I've that I've listed so far in the stream, to me, I think lead towards what you just said that it, we are at the point of no return. But I would love to see if there is folks that are contesting this. You know, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Um, I'm gonna hide this message now. If you do want to join the stream, if you want to hop on and ask questions, share your thoughts, and uh, drive a very open discussion here. I've listed a link to. Uh, the stream so you can come on and ask a question live or share a thought live. And the only requirement I have, or well, requirements, it's plural, uh, please have a camera on. Please have decent audio. Ideally, having a headset is tremendously helpful. If you don't, uh, if you don't have a speaker uh, or, or a microphone that's in a headset, uh, do try and wear a headset anyway because it helps remove the echo. Uh, Please just have it so that it's people can listen to you and ensure that you have decent internet, decent to good internet, so we don't have a lag fest. I started using StreamYard, which so far has proven to be a better platform than Restream, especially when it comes to connectivity with uh, other folks jumping on. So I do think we're gonna have a little bit better experience, but don't be shy, come on. 
This is a lot less scary than it looks. And we'll go ahead and uh, have an open discussion with everybody. I'll post the link again. Just make sure you guys get it. Okay. In the meantime, let's go ahead and read uh, some more comments. So we have somebody that agrees with Jeremiah. So the statement from Jeremiah, once again, was that uh, we've reached a, a, a point of no return, essentially an event horizon that says that we're not going to be able to come back from this and that EVs are, are really the future. And we have our first guest, Simon. What's up, dude? Hi. What up? Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. All, All right. All right. What you got? So I'm currently working on my thesis about Tesla. And so I've done a lot of trend and, and market research about it. Um, by the way, I'm from Germany, just to give a little info. Um, and so as we all know, the demand of ICE cars, or at least for B the demand for BEVs is growing rapidly at the current stages. And from a sales perspective in Europe, we have about a growth of 70% year over year. And in China and in the US, we are about at, uh, we are at around 100% EV sales growth. And looking at other manufacturers apart from Tesla that also produce ICE cars, um, the biggest production increases over the coming years that they have announced are about 30% year over year. So the cliff is, def is definitely have, um, happening as we all um, experience in the current times, but the production at least from ICE cars manufacturers for EVs, um, it's just not capable enough to support that de demand current stages. Even Tesla is way behind uh, right. <laughs> production output <laughs> that is actually needed. <laughs> yeah. So it's very That's difficult. Very right. and, the, and the total, I, th I personally think the total um, sales of cars will decline over the, over the next, at least, I don't know, three to five years. As we all know, the valley of death from JPR. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a concern. So, yeah. Okay. No, thank you for sharing those thoughts. Do you see, this may be just a question more because I'm curious, uh, how do you see, um, and I don't know if you can even answer this question, but how do you see the like, German government trying to fill this uh, demand cliff or this valley of death that JPR has talked about? Like, do you think the, government's going to be able to rescue this or is this the incorrect question like how because i'm assuming there's going to be a lot of jobs attached to those potential yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know so as you know, far as so I how, know, how do you think about that yeah as far as i know in the um, german automotive industry about six hundred thousand jobs are uh, directly or indirectly linked to the ice manufacturers and the government um, is of course subsidizing bevs but with the current, I think with the current demands growing in, in Europe, it's not really needed anymore, in my mm. opinion. And the government itself, I don't know, can't really do much about it because in the end, it's the manufacturers that need to scale production. And they are currently having a hard time with uh, transitioning to EV manufacturing. And that's going to take a long, of, uh, long time to compensate. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Simon. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, man. Yeah. Take it easy, brother. Have a good have a good day. <laughs> Thanks, man. You too. Bye-bye. Awesome. RB, $5 uh, super sticker. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Long-time listener of the show. You're the man. Thank you. Much love. 
All right, we have somebody else on, but looks like they might be having some video issues. So we'll try to bring them in and see what happens. Steven, can you hear me, my friend? I don't think Steven can hear me. Can you hear me? All right, we'll give Steven some, uh, some time. Steven, if you're listening to this, you might have to uh, allow some permissions on your end, on the browser, so that the um, StreamYard can uh, let you use your camera and stuff. So I'll give that a shot. Or or your OBS uh, camera thing is uh, not turned on, your screen uh, thing. So good luck. <laughs> All right, we got another comment here. Uh, I predicted that cap balance type of scenario, people will need to replace old cars and will increase demand for ICE cars while there aren't enough EVs for maybe around a year. A very interesting comment there. Yeah, so I think what's been discussed around that too is like, um, there's a lot of potential pent up demand for used cars, period, because people are gonna try to wait for a um, an EV. Right. And so they're not going to want to go out and buy a brand new gas car because that's just crazy. Why would you do that if this were the case and everything's going to be? But the used car market might benefit a lot. But here's the deal, though. I'm curious to see when that's going to kick in, because if you take this scenario right here, where uh, a lot of automakers are not really experiencing any sort of increase in used car price changes, um, then when's that going to kick in? However, here's something I just thought of. What percentage of, say, Volkswagen's percentage increase in used car sales, which in this case is about, what, 1%, 2%, excuse me, 2%? Volkswagen sells way more gas cars than EV cars. So are their EV cars carrying this number up? I would I would have loved to see. I don't know if we can do this. And if, Rob, you're listening to this, dude, like, you're, you're the man. Um, but is there any way to break out EVs for each one of these brands? to see how much of the EV used car sale is driving that increase versus their gas counterparts. Because I think that would help us understand that a little bit better. Um, yeah, Larry, one uh, Euro super sticker. Thank you very much, man. Y'all are very generous. Really appreciate you guys. If you wanna jump on and ask a question live, just like Simon did, link right there. Good camera, please, if possible. Decent audio, do wear a headset if you can to reduce echo, decent internet. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. All right, we got our next guest. What's up, man? Lufti, can you hear me? Okay. Can you get that mic closer to your mouth by any chance? You're you're a little soft. Can you hear me? You're muted. Um, it's still quite soft. Let me see if I can uh, increase your uh, your microphone a little bit. Let's see. All right, go ahead and uh, speak for me a little bit. Testing. Okay, it might be a little bit better. Go ahead, go ahead and uh, ask your question and see. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, make it happen. Well, go ahead. It's not like a question, like a comment. Uh, sure. Like currently, the auto industry, the inventories are almost record low uh, in used and new cars, basically mm -hmm. inventories. So this tells me that, okay, they spend a demand for ICE cars or every car, basically, mm -hmm. at the moment. And if the legacy automakers can actually fix their supply issues, mm -hmm. I predict that for next two to three years, we can actually see increase in ICE car sales also. Okay. Uh, un until the 
they can actually produce enough EVs. Okay. Well. Got it. So then, so then, for where you're coming from is saying that hey, like let's we need to ensure that um, the car lots are not empty to sit down and actually say okay, there's actually a cliff because they are still experiencing some supply problems, right? Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yes, definitely. Okay. And for my source, I found this website, joinyaa.com. They have this uh, new car inventory 2020. Okay. And they basically have graphed for every month for the last two years that, okay, this is the current inventory. And it's What's the website again, Lufty? Joinyaa.com. Okay. Got it. Yeah, see if you can link that on the on the chat. I don't know if it's going to let you, but yeah, I would love for the uh, community to get exposure to that. But no, I mean, I, I think that's a valid point. I think I think from my end, I, I wonder, I have a fear that uh, even if they start flooding the, like say there's more supply out there in the car lots, I'm afraid that they're not going to get sold because there's going to be a lot of hesitancy to move, but it's going to be, to your point, it might be tough to tell unless... Uh, Unless there's cars out there to test the thesis, right? Um, so, yeah. yeah. For next couple of years, I would like to see that what is the sales numbers for car makers and what are the inventory levels. Got it. That would be like a dead giveaway. Okay, now we have hit the uh, ice car sale like a peak, and now it's only it. the downtrend from there on. Okay, awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Really appreciate yeah, you. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for stopping by. Lufty's awesome. He's been with us for a while. All right, next on deck, we got Eric. How you doing, Eric? Hey, Farzad. Uh, doing great. Live from my grooming van. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> that is. <laughs> is it a dog groomer place? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, I got a doodle here. Okay, let's see him. This is Oakley. <laughs> Keep going the wrong way. It's like it's mirrored. <laughs> that's awesome man that's a yeah, cute he's, dog he's all how can i help you my friend so i was stuck in the airport over the weekend last weekend and i was just wondering do you think robo taxi could be more like tesla travel where instead of like mm. real short trips you're actually taking long trips mm. kind of where i ran into a problem was how much is it going to cost per mile? Because that's like uh, I was in Myrtle Beach and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So you're looking mm. at like a 600 mile trip. Mm. So even if it was 10 cents a mile, that's, you know, <laughs> over Cheap. $600. Yeah. You know, so, or th $335 or something one way. Yeah. So it, it's still cheaper to be on an airplane. But the problem I ran into is, we were on one of those flights where we were supposed to get on the plane at eight and then they, they bumped it back to 10 and then they bumped it back to 1130. And by the time we got home, it was like one 30 in the morning. Mm. So I was like, man, boy, I, I would have much rather just dialed up a robo taxi and had it pick me up at my friends threw my luggage in and went to sleep and then woke up in the morning back home. Yeah. And I was wondering like, what's your thoughts? Is that, you think that could be a possibility? I think it could 100% be a possibility. Yeah. I, I think there's going to always going to be a market for something like that, especially if you're taking like a red eye or something like that. It might, it's going to be infinitely more comfortable. Like, like what's the market of people, like say, if you're going to use that use case of that, um, 
sleep in the car for say, you know, five to eight hours to get somewhere versus a three hour flight or uh, a five hour total trip time driving to the airport, going through security, waiting for the thing, potentially getting delayed, right? The end to end, you know, getting to the airport, going to the place you're you're landing at and actually getting to your destination. It's not just the uh, air time. We all know it's way more than that. You have to almost double the time. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So it, it really just comes down to the in my opinion, I think it's just a cost equation at that point. And if the cost equation says um, it's going to be cheaper per minute spent in the thing, then it's going to make viable sense. And then uh, especially if you pair it with, say, like a, a boring company tunnels or something where over time, if we have like direct linkage of these, say, metro uh, these metro areas like Pittsburgh to State College to Philly to, you know, Virginia or New Jersey or New York or whatever. Why wouldn't you do that? Because then you can go through those tunnels at 150, who knows, 200 miles an hour. I don't know. I don't know how fast you can go through those things, you know, over time. Well, so I, I could oh, see it. And it and it's kind of going to come down to a cost equation, I think. I, yeah. I can imagine them doing it like down in Austin and throughout Texas, where they yes. make a network where you could go just through the tunnels and then yes. eventually flip it over to uh, what's the vacuum tubed system with a the hyperloop. You know what I'm talking about. Hyperloop, yep. you know, yep. flip it over to Hyperloop. So you start out with a tunnel that, that can only have electric cars going through it. And maybe they're going 100 miles an hour. You know, yeah. that that distance traveled would take 10 hours on surface roads. But if we could go 100 miles an hour, you know, you're probably cutting that down to an eight hour trip. Right. You would be able so, to half it, I think. Because then you don't take into yeah. account like some of the you know traffic and whatever else could happen in between. But no, it's a great thought. I think I think as as the technology gets better, any, any of those situations is po- any of those things is possible. It's just going to be a matter of what's the cost equation, and once it starts making sense, then why wouldn't it exist? You know. Uh, so I think we're going to end up in that situation for sure. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. Love Appreciate it. you, brother. Take it easy. All right, next one on deck, Steven. How you doing, my friend? Farzad, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir, I can. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, doing great. Farzad, hey, thanks. I just wanted to uh, uh, wanted to say I love your new format. Um, Thank you so much. Colin's working out really well. Um, and I really appreciate your perspective on Tesla's organization and motivation. So I mm-hmm. think that's one of the, the key reasons why Tesla is so uh, successful. Um, Thank you. I, so I want to make one comment. Uh, have you ever checked out the Mannheim Index? It's the used car index. Um, it's one of the. I, it's uh, familiar. familiar. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what I'm uh, right now, I think it's currently up two hundred percent or something like that. So I, you know, personally, I think you know the ice demand cliff is there, but I think it's being buried, like in the um, uh, supply chain issues. Um, mm-hmm. My question for you or anybody that's listening is how well does legacy auto really see that, right? Mm. Because, you know, they're seeing their sales down by 18% on average um, uh, year on year. But, uh, you know, how much of that is supply chain? And I personally don't see, I don't think they see the, 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 uh, the demand cliff, um, at mm. least not as clearly as they should. Anyways, just a thought. Yeah, I think that's a great thought. I wonder, you know, my mind immediately goes to, you know, I've I've, I've uh, witnessed a corporate environment that is very different from Tesla, you know, multiple ones in my past. 
And sometimes uh, bad news data, like companies find ways to try and not, yeah, exactly. Just like, okay, how can we spin yeah. this so yeah. that it's not nearly as bad as it looks, right? So that's yeah. where my mind goes to immediately. So even if they had the data sets <laughs> that said we're in trouble, like I feel like the guys are gonna look for things that say, oh no, no, it's not happening because chip shortages. Oh no, no, it's not happening because, you know, we have supply chain issues. Oh no, no, it's not really happening because whatever, there's a gating factor in there. So um, especially if you're a public company, the last thing you wanna do is ring uh, or like wave a red flag that, of that magnitude because that signals a huge downturn in the economy potentially for them because they know they know they don't have the thing in between in the middle to actually help them through that crisis, right? So they're decentivized to actually do that. <laughs> they're decentivized to actually find the data point that could potentially save them in the long term, but because of the market forces and everything else that's going on near term and the cultures that exist at these companies, uh, sometimes they, they don't do that. And then if we think about the usual structure of an of a organization, I feel like a lot of executives, what ends up happening is that they take what, what they're being told as gospel too many times, especially if they're not like a, like an owner or somebody who is really in the business daily and they're just there to create shareholder value. If the, if the analyst team comes through and is like, well, we, we're, we're having supply issues, but it's all chip shortages. It has nothing to do with the man cliff. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, no, I'll take that. And, it, and if it comes out to be false, they'll be like, well, I was given the wrong number. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, we need to get new analysts or whatever. So, yeah, I, I, even if they had the rate, it would take a very, like the only companies I would see doing this, I think Volkswagen, I think, has already kind of openly said, like, we are in trouble. We have to figure out how to transition. Yep. And then Ford has already has started having that discussion as well. So, but that's a minority, you know, so long-winded sort of comment on your comment, but I'd love to hear it too in the comments. That's a phenomenal uh, sort of thought there that you've put forward, but yeah. Thank you very much, Stephen. appreciate that. That's a, that's a great, that's a great thought. Right. Thank you, man. Okay. You too, man. Thank you. Bye. Next on deck, David. Hello. How's it going, my friend? Can you hear I me? I took okay? a camera, dude. You're, you're smooth. Yeah, yeah. I do a little bit of this, my own, getting ready to kind of cut loose with my own uh, podcast before very nice. long, but anyway, Looking sharp. Uh, yeah, if you want any advice, uh, Ecamm Live, but anyway, okay. <laughs> but but uh, to riff off of, or to expand off of that previous uh, comment, m my question is, do you see some way to help assist the, <laughs> I guess, assist the flight off the cliff? Um, you know, there's going to be a long period of time before there's, enough supply of electric cars and there's going to be a lot of you know capital investment in those in those ice cars that's all sitting on top of that whole social and political thing that y'all were just talking about there so y'all gave the example of people not wanting to believe something that rocks their boat too much that's mm. just the tip of the iceberg i mean it's going to mm. be a huge thing you can't even get the president to to name the company right <laughs> so is there some way that, especially like you, YouTube uh, influencers and the whole the whole Tesla community and Tesla itself, uh, could kind of through a back door, maybe just start to, to try to uh, plow the ground a little bit and develop the relationships and have social groups and stuff to get people used to the idea, and then help with the actual transition. I mean. 
A lot of people yeah. really want the car. I live in Alexandria across the river from DC and it's a wealthy community. I just got mine last month. Yay. Mm. Um, Congrats. <laughs> you. Um, but there's a lot of people that want them and there's a lot of people that are interested in them. And everybody knows yeah. there's a lot of, uh, uh, lack of sophistication, you know, about the details of electric cars and, you know, yeah. where do you charge it? All that jazz. But when it comes down to it, there's going to be people that are angry. You know, you have that whole coal smoking thing and people scratching the cars and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think in the long run, it would really be beneficial if we could figure out a way to um, be friends, you know, and, yeah. and bring these people in and help in the transition and accept the fact that these ICE cars are going to be around for a while. Hey, that's a cool uh, you know, car that you've got there. Oh, I had one of those <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, that was great and all that stuff. And, you know, after you get your electric car, you can keep that one and take it out, you know, mm. to, to show mm -hmm. off in the, in the parade and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So anyway, yeah. what, you have any thoughts about a deliberate effort to, to reach out and help people transition? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like half half the reason why I haven't started this YouTube channel is to try and do that myself a little bit because I know I like I'm embedded yeah. in the Tesla culture in a very specific way. One of the main reasons why I even started the YouTube channel was to try and add that. But the thing is, is we've had so many. I mean, you you know already, like if you're in the Tesla community, how many Tesla YouTube creators are there already? You know, and sure. they're, they're trying to evangelize the product, they're trying to evangelize the transition. I think I think the limiting factor. Shout out Jordan Gisigi, limiting factor is that. Um, the uh, man, it, it's it's hard. I think there's a lot of difficulty in trying to shift the mindset of a culture when you have so many embedded powers and uh, money that is counter to that. So oil lobbies, so on oh, and so yeah. forth. You know, unions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it really has to be a ground up effort that has to occur. So it has to be to your point. It has to be sort of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, it has to come out Press of roots. very organically. Press yeah, grassroots. Thank you grassroots. very much. Yeah, yeah. grassroots. Um, so I, I would say just anybody who has a platform or has the ability to go out and evangelize or, or try to uh, uh, kind of prove why EVs are really the way to go, not just from a uh, it's good for the earth. Forget that whole thing. It's it's cheaper to run. You don't have to maintain the damn thing. It's the Tesla specifically are super safe, but EVs in general are safer because they don't have a, a basically a bomb on the floor of the car. EV packs, everybody knows, has a lot lower uh, density, so it is a safer car inherently. Um, it will last way longer because uh, electric drivetrains are, are are much more reliable long term, uh, and they have way fewer uh, pieces, so on and so forth. You know, you, you can plug into a grid that can become sustainable over time, which will lower uh, prices of energy over time. There's just so many different variables. Um, so I think that that movement just has to continue, and uh, people that are plugged into, say, friends and family, word of mouth ultimately is I think that the biggest way to really create the transition is to ju just talk to your friends, talk well, to your families, you know? You'd, def you'd, you'd definitely yeah. be a candidate, you know, throw a, a regular two minute uh, closeout, you know, reaching out to our to our ice. Yeah, come in, yeah. From, the come in from the cold, you, my ice buddies, you. And, you know, I'm thinking yeah. like my Tesla weekend, he's got such a nice style and he's respectful, you know, sure. and, and his buddy Bear, you know, they're respectful of, of ice car drivers. I was an ice car yeah. driver, right? But yeah, uh, yeah, any, yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd uh, kind of inject that and hear what you had to say. Keep up the good work. I just, I just joined. Thank Patreon. you, man. Just joined Patreon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, I mean, there, there's still so much we can do as, as a community. Yeah, yeah, like one of the ideas I had was when I get my Cybertruck, uh, 
I, I want to go to as many car shows as humanly possible, especially here in Texas. And one of my one of my neighbors is like a diehard pickup truck Texan, born and bred. You know, loves his diesel truck. I'm like, dude, get me to the to the closest or biggest pickup truck show you know with my cyber truck, and I'm gonna go there. I'm just gonna let everybody drive the damn thing. Oh, just to oh, be like, yeah. just experience totally. this. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So I think that's the kind of thing we we have to kind of get a little bit innovative in how we. Uh, uh, bring people, to, like show them what this technology is like. And the point I think you made that super important is that we have to cross that sort of like imaginary barrier we have of like division between groups of saying, just because there's a lot of like gas car drivers that love gas cars doesn't mean that we shouldn't go, you know, and, and try to be friends with them or not, not with any sort of like thing in mind to try and convert them, but let's just talk and then let's show them what we like, you know, hey, look, look at this cool thing, you know, right. look at this cool thing. So maybe we need to step outside our comfort zones, become friends with folks that, you know, maybe they love diesel cars, they love gas cars, and then just show them our toys. And if they like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. But at least we'll create a bond where we can sit down and have some honest conversations because ultimately, it's the people that drive change. You know, it's the right, people that right. really drive huge seismic change. So, that's uh, but that's a, that's such a great line of thinking that you've proposed. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up, man. Thank you so much. Thank okay, you for coming well, on and sharing that. Work. Thanks. Appreciate you. Bye. Thank you, David. Bye. That was great. That was a really um, important topic. I think we can really, really... I think all of us should continue to do that, even when it feels like we're being repetitive with our friends. <laughs> I think it's important to continue uh, having those conversations with those that we know, or maybe I'll step outside our comfort zone and uh, become friends with those on the other side that maybe are not nearly as exposed to EVs that, that could really um, help because it could organic transition, just like, okay, perfect. This exactly should be an organic transition and not push down their throat like they've tried with veget vegetarians or veganism. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to you have to do it in a in an organic way, otherwise it won't stick. So, um, awesome. All right, let's call it there because we're gonna try to do these every single day. Thank you all so much for coming on. If you did enjoy the uh, the stream, I would love it if you hit the like button for me. It will help more people see this once we close this out and the recording goes live. Uh, tomorrow we'll have Tom Nash on the show plus a few community guests. Wednesday, we're going to have a mega stream for the earnings call. We're gonna go from 2.45 Central, which is 15 minutes before market close, through the end of the call. So we're gonna be on live probably like four hours. So bring a drink or bring a water, bring some popcorn, join us on Wednesday, but tomorrow we'll be with uh, with Mr. Tom Nash. So thank you all very much for coming on. Awesome contributions from the community. Thank you guys so much, love you guys. Take it easy, talk to you guys tomorrow.